Ah, that's not cold, Slither. I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine, but it's hard to ignore the feeling that I may have peaked. Except, wait, we're almost to Serpentor, aren't we? So we definitely have some degree of total batshittery to look forward to still. Also, this one kicks off with the Joes escorting the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution to a new National Archives building, which, historical pricelessness notwithstanding, feels like a waste of their considerable resources. But on the other hand, it might kick off some kind of nutty national treasure type story, so I'm willing to see where this goes. Right on cue, this seemingly innocent tourist with a camera is actually the Baroness, and her camera is actually a laser gun, so here we go, I suppose. She managed manages to drive off with one of the trucks, but it's not even the right one. Some escorts we proved to be. We're the only ones who lost our truck. Yeah, but we weren't carrying anything valuable. Apparently that truck contained a file that details this bizarre legal loophole. This is the Great Seal of Alaska. And according to provisions in the Seward Treaty, whoever owns the seal owns Alaska. I want to believe this is an actual real-life thing, so much so that I don't want to Google it and discover that it's not. Please don't tell me one way or the other, just let me have this. So yeah. Now, with Cobra's help, Alaska belongs to a Russian used car salesman called Gergi Potemkin, whose ancestors may have had a legitimate claim to the seal and, therefore, Alaska. He promptly renames the place Gergi Land and promptly evicts everyone else. Hoping what Potemkin has isn't the real Great Seal of Alaska, and honestly, to me, it looks like one of those phony grails that turn you to dust if you choose poorly, the Joe team head to the Arctic in hopes of locating the real one. But the Russians have the same idea, so here's more of these October Guard guys guys again. Hooray, I guess? As the Joes head into Alaskan airspace, they're attacked by Cobra, whom I assume are serving as the official army for Gurgi land now. Seriously though, he couldn't have gone with like, Potemkingrad or St. Gurgisburg or something? Then again, I get the impression this guy wasn't exactly valedictorian of USSR University. <laughs> Smooth and sticking a country rube with a 59 Edsel. What could go wrong now? Dude, even Cobra Commander doesn't tempt fate like that. Then again, he usually doesn't have any trouble with the simple human concept of sitting in a chair. The Joes, who were shot down but are completely fine, obviously, hustle into the mountains with the October Guard, or Red October as they're calling themselves this time for some reason, hot on their tails. Trails? Hot on their trails? Both of those make sense, just pick one I guess. The Joes don't have a great time of it, which kind of makes sense given that they didn't seem to have brought along any of their specialty snow guys. Hell, the two bald dudes aren't even wearing hats. Don't you guys realize that you lose 800% of your body heat through the top of your head, and also that you swallow at least 38 spiders every night when you sleep? The Red October dudes helicopter in to taunt their American ski rivals a bit, and I suddenly realize we're walking a weird line with these guys. They're obviously not full-on allies, because you can't show Americans and Russians just working together on a kids show in the mid-80s. But they're also not actively trying to hurt one another either because Cobra's the actual enemy, not these guys. So they can hang around and talk trash, but they're not actual villains. Which means they don't really serve any purpose in the story. It's almost like they're just here to sell more toys. Except these guys didn't even have toys when this series was running, apparently? Next, the Joes trek through what I assume are either hot springs or a volcano. First we freeze, now we bake. Now I know how a TV dinner feels. 
Seriously? No baked Alaska joke? It was right there and you're just gonna leave it? Then they find an abandoned October Guard camp and are attacked by Cossacks who apparently swear their loyalty to Tsar Alexander II. Mind you, I'm a little rusty on my Russian history, but I'm pretty sure that guy's been dead for a hundred years at this point. This isn't like those stories of Japanese soldiers who thought World War II was still happening in 1947. So how do we account for these temporally and geographically displaced anomalies? Fountain of Youth? Time portal? Suspended animation? Looks like the Romanov found a safe harbor back in 1867. And these people must be the descendants of the original crew. Well, that was probably the least sensical option, so that checks out. Turns out these guys have the real seal of Alaska, but they're not keen to hand it over to the Americans or the Russians, and they throw them both in jail together. Gung-Ho and his bear boyfriend sort of acknowledge that they've met before, but it's not exactly the joyfully tearful reunion that I personally would have given them. Cobra invades, intent on nabbing the actual seal for themselves, and accidentally free both the Joes and the October Guard. This is where I would usually imply that someone made a stupid mistake, but the Baroness did it, so I'm pretty sure she had a good reason. I shall not hear ill spoken of the Baroness, friends. I mean, look, she got the actual seal on her first try, which is more than anyone else in Cobra probably could have managed. The Cossack leader realizes that he lost his priceless treasure because of his refusal to cooperate, and apparently the lesson here is that maybe we should all work together? That doesn't feel right at all. That feels like communist propaganda to me. The lesson is even reinforced again as the October Guard briefly take possession of the seal, but then, after another fight sequence, relent and hand it back because... cooperation. Apparently. Huh. I still say that doesn't feel right.